Hello and welcome to the Vision Church Podcast. We're glad that you decided to listen in today. Hey, I've got a great word for you called the gift of forgiveness. Something that you and I can give to other people. I have a friend that told me one time when he wakes up in the morning, he looks in the mirror and he says, Today, I determine I'm going to forgive everyone. What a great way to start your day. You know, just that decision that you're going to be unoffendable. And whatever comes your way that you've already decided in your heart, you're going to forgive it. So I want to encourage you, press in, allow God to speak to your heart through this podcast. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11. Let me read it to you. It says, when the Lord God speaks to you, never take his words lightly. You know, interesting thing. This morning, we're going to take communion and we're going to memorialize Jesus. How's that sound? We're going to memorialize him. And, you know, everybody probably has one of these. When you memorialize something, that means that you appreciate the cost. You appreciate the price that was paid. And this book that I'm holding in my hand was not available in the 1500s. See, years ago, it was illegal to translate this. In fact, in the 1500s, there was English in England. English was becoming the the most common language. And so the people desired for the Bible to be translated into English. And so, you know, they wanted that to happen, but there was a problem. There was a death penalty for anybody that would try to translate the Bible. But then there was a guy by the name of William Tyndale that stepped up and he decided he was going to take the old Greek letters and he was going to translate them into modern day English so that every common person could read it, could understand it, could take it at face value. And so he decided to translate it, but then he was arrested He was burned at the stake. While he's being burned at the stake, the very last words that he said was, Lord, open the eyes of the King of England. Well, then later on in about 1539, there was was a king by the name of Henry VIII, and he, he abolished that law, and he decided, you know what, I'm gonna make it legal for them to translate the Bible. And so they began to translate it. All these translators got together, they began to work on it. And that was no small undertaking, I mean, to translate from Greek into modern day English. And so they started working on it. Well, you know, kings didn't live very long, kings and queens back then. You know, there was, <laughs> there was all kinds of different things, reasons that they either were killed or assassinated or removed from office. And, and so there were several kings and queens that came and went. Some of them supported the translation of the Bible. Some of them didn't. Some of them fought it. Until a queen came into power. Her name was Queen Mary I. And she reenacted that law and said, no, it is now illegal to translate the Bible. Penalty is death. And she martyred 300 Christians, burned them at the stake, and earning her the nickname Bloody Mary. You know, but here's the reason I'm sharing this with you, is if you can't appreciate the cost, you don't appreciate what you have. And I think today we take this for granted quite a bit because there's, 
If you're like me, you have 16 of them on your shelf at home. You have, the, you have Bible apps that have every version known to man in English, Spanish, and every other possible language. Now, some are translations. Some are, honestly, inspirations, not really exact translations, kind of opinions. And so here's part of the reason that I'm sharing that with you is today in the U.S., um, every 10 years in our public schools, they rewrite and they look at social studies and they rewrite the curriculum for social studies. And I thought it was interesting that right about the election uh, was where that 10 years landed. It just happened to land around the same time. And in the state of Minnesota, they proposed a new rewrite for social studies. But the thing was interesting because in their proposal, they wanted to remove some things from what was being taught in social studies. One of those things was the American flag. Another thing was the Pledge of Allegiance. Another one was World War I. They didn't want any mention of World War I, World War II. And this was mostly astounding. They wanted the Revolutionary War taken out in the proposal. Interesting thing about that to me is without the Revolutionary War, there is no United States. I mean, how did we come to be as a nation? Poof. I guess it was like the Big Bang Theory. Just here, all of a sudden, we were. No, there was great cost. There was significant loss, significant price that was paid so that you and I can stand here free today. And we can worship, we can come together. We, we can worship openly and freely. And, and let me tell you, when you understand the price that was paid, you can appreciate what you have. But if the enemy can erase that, if he can take your mind off of the price that was paid off of the William Tyndales and, and the other martyrs, people, uh, Erasmus and, and, and many, many others, Luther, that people that paid heavy prices so that you and I could stand here today and read the Bible freely. So with that in mind, I'd like you to take your communion in your hand. If you wouldn't mind, would you mind standing with me? And because I appreciate the price that was paid. This bread represents his body that was torn, beaten, marred beyond recognition. The stripes that he took on his back so that you and I could be healed, so that we could be set free, so that we could be delivered so that we didn't have to live in bondage to hurt, to offense, to sickness and disease, to viruses. So Father, this morning we receive your bread your, that represents your body that's broken for us. We thank you for what you did. Hey, I got to do something before we, before we receive it. It's on my heart. You know, in order to appreciate the cost too, we also have to count the cost. What does it cost to live for Jesus, to deny, deny, deny him and take up your cross and follow him? What does it cost? 
It's going to cost everything. I just got to be real with you this morning. This has been heavy on my heart because I see Christians that add Jesus to their life like they add an app to their phone instead of denying their self, taking up their cross. That means denying everything else and following him with everything. Giving everything away. And so I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. If that's you and you say, Phil, I, I, that's me. I've, I've made him a part of my life, but I haven't given him my life. And I want to this morning. If that's you, we're going to pray together. And I'm going to ask the entire church family to pray with me. Would you repeat after me? Let's pray this out loud together. Heavenly Father, thank you for dying on the cross to save me. I receive your salvation. And Lord, I want to let you know this morning, I am not adding you to my life. I am surrendering my life to you. And I pray, Lord, that you would take my life and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. Now, Let's take the bread. Let's receive the bread. Father, we receive your body broken for us. And Father, we also receive this juice that represents your blood, that you took every sin and you cast it from us so that we're righteous and we're clean. Let's receive it. I'm going to ask you to pass your cups to the center aisle, if you would, so the ushers can receive it. And, And would you just put your hands in the air with me and let's just thank God for a moment. Father, we just thank you. We appreciate the price that's been paid for us. We appreciate the martyrs, we appreciate the veterans, the people who have died, who have given everything so that we can live and experience an abundant life. We thank you for it this morning. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, we'll say amen if you agree. You can be seated this morning. And turn in your Bibles. Thank you, Rebecca. Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> Appreciate Rebecca so much. She was our only band member for quite some time. Those of you that were here remember. <laughs> and now she's got competition. she got people. People working with her. Praise God. Um, I'd like for you to turn in your Bible to John chapter 20 this morning. I want to talk to you about the gift of forgiveness, the gift of forgiveness. How many of you remember a guy in the Bible by the name of Stephen? How many of you remember him? Stephen 
was, it's interesting, when you look back and you see there was that moment with Peter when Ananias and Sapphira lied, you remember, and, and they dropped dead in front of Peter. There were young men that carried their bodies out and buried them. And, uh, you know, a lot of theologians believe that Stephen was quite possibly one of those young men that did that. I don't know about you. I've done some pretty low-end jobs in the church growing up in church. Um, I have served at low, very, very low levels and thankful for the opportunity. I mean, cleaning toilets and sweeping floors and, and whatever needed to be done. But I have never taken someone out back and buried them. That would be pretty humbling. And then you remember that, that they came together, they were having a problem with the distribution for the widows, and they said, we need to recruit some men of character. And who did they recruit? recruit? One of them was Stephen. And, but the interesting thing was, there was an anointing that came on Stephen. Stephen was faithful in the little things, and God raised him up. And he is hailed, I mean, I mean his messages that he preached, are hey, they're right up there with Peter, with Paul, the apostle. I mean, it, you know, it was amazing. Well, one of his messages that he preached um, got him stoned, <laughs> and not in a drug kind of a way, with actual stones. They, they stopped their ears, they got upset at him, they dragged him to an area, and they picked up these bone-crushing stones, and they began to hurl them at Stephen. And here's Stephen within seconds of dying, within seconds of his spirit leaving his body. He makes this statement in Acts chapter 7, verse 60. He says, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. Do not charge these guys with this offense. Interesting thing. When, he, when this is happening, a guy by the name of Saul is holding everyone's coats and watching it. And the Bible said that he approved of Stephen being stoned. This is the Saul that became the apostle Paul. Interesting. And so here, Stephen forgives these guys with his last breath, with the last words that he said. Doesn't that sound familiar? Who else in the Bible does that sound like? Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? You remember in Luke 23, 34, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So in this, the thing that stood out to me about Peter, or about Stephen, I mean, is that he was quick to forgive. He was quick to let it go. He was quick to make sure that there was going to be nothing that hindered God from being able to work in these men's lives. Interesting thing that Saul was there because God worked in Saul's life immensely, tremendously, didn't he? Used him in great ways because of that. Do you think that forgiveness had anything to do with it? Well, now let me show you that. Let's go over to John. You're in John chapter 20. Look at verse 22. John chapter 20, look at verse 22. And it says, now let me set this up because Jesus has died on the cross. He's risen from the dead and he's not yet ascended to his father. He's appeared to Mary Magdalene, you know, and now the disciples are all together in this place. And here comes Jesus. Jesus comes to where they are and he says to them, he breathes on them and then he says, receive the Holy Spirit. 
But then listen to what he says in verse 23, right after that. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. If, if, if there's a scripture in the Bible, uh, I, this scripture to me just makes you go, huh? If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Interesting about that. God, Jesus is prioritizing forgiveness. He is saying, listen, now that you're born again, first thing is forgive. If anyone sins against you, I want you to forgive them. And so he's saying, you have the power to forgive people. Now, I, I'm, I in no way am saying that you're anybody's savior, okay? That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that when somebody comes against you, when somebody sins against you, when they bring an offense against you, you have the power to forgive them or not forgive them. It's up to you. Now, let me read it to you out of the, out of the NLT because I feel like it says it even more clearly. It says, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. I think that's pretty clear. <laughs> if I forgive somebody's sin against me, then they're forgiven. Wow. But if you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is everybody, everybody gets that, right? You're tracking with me? Okay, so then we come to the question, how many times? <laughs> Lord, how many times do I have to forgive this person? You know, some people have a three strikes and you're out plan, right? That's one. That's two. I wouldn't do it again. Why? What are they saying? Because when you get to the third one, I'm not forgiving you anymore. Or what about this one? I thought about this one too. Uh, you know, if, if somebody does something to me, Shame on them. First time, shame on them. Second time, shame on me. So now this person's only down to two. So here Peter, he comes to Jesus. In fact, turn over to Matthew 18. We're going to look at this. I'm going to spend the bulk of the morning in Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18. So notice that Jesus said, or Peter says in verse 21, he says, Lord, <laughs> how often do I have to forgive a person if they come to me and they repent. And Peter's thinking, all right, three strikes you're out. That's, you know, I don't think that's gonna work. The two is not gonna work. But you know what? Lord, seven times? I mean, he thinks I'm being generous. Seven times in one day. But how does Jesus respond? He says in verse 22, he says, no, no, Peter, not seven times. 70 times seven. Now, you can be analytical with this. You can be that civil engineer that's down on the inside of you and say, you know what, I'm gonna do the math. And you're gonna find out probably that that's somewhere between three to five minutes. Every three to five minutes, you would be forgiving somebody. I don't know about you, but I've never been offended or sinned against five minutes in a 24-hour period every five minutes. Have you? I think the answer is no. So, so we can do the math and say, okay, well, I need to be willing to forgive. What is Jesus saying? Always. How often? All the time until I return. All the time until I return. Wow. Let me tell you something. 
Your spouse is not your problem. Your boss is not your problem. Your coworker is not your problem. Your neighbor is not your problem. You know what I've discovered my problem has been? The attitude of unforgiveness. The attitude of unforgiveness where I, 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 I'm hurt and I'm offended by that person, so I want them to pay for what they did. Now, let's keep reading because it's interesting where Jesus goes because you remember Peter said, how many times do I have to forgive? And he says, 70 times seven. Now he goes into a parable. Don't you love it when Jesus tells a story? My kids love it when I tell a story because they know dad is getting ready to deliver a life lesson. And I've had to reel them back since they're adults now. They have their own life lessons. But anyway, so Matthew 18, look at verse 23. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like. Whenever Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is like, what he's talking about is kingdom culture. I'm getting ready to give you a lesson in kingdom culture. So he says, there was a king who who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and the payment be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. Wow. What is the only thing that you can't buy even if you're rich enough? No matter how rich you are. Forgiveness. You can't buy forgiveness. Why? Because it's a free gift. It's something that is given freely. So here this man, and I don't... I don't, I don't care about how much the amount was, but it was, a, it was an amount that he couldn't pay. And see, you and I were in debt. We were slaves to sin. We were in debt to sin. There was no way that we could pay that. We were indebted to it, but Jesus paid the price for us. He gave us the gift of salvation, and that paid the debt for us. Aren't you thankful for that? So it's a, free, it's a free gift. We oftentimes use that word redeem, you know, to explain what Jesus did for us. That interesting thing about that word is redeem means to buy from slavery, to buy out of slavery. He purchased us. You know, back in the, in the early times, before in Roman times, when, they, when you could go to market and actually buy slaves back in these days, sometimes there were, there were a couple different kinds of people that would shop for slaves. The first kind was the person that needed a slave, and they, they wanted to get the best bang for their buck, right? So they'd open their mouth, look in there, see if they had any gold teeth in there, <laughs> anything that they could harvest that they could sell, make more money off of. Sometimes they would even beat the slave on the spot to see if they would react because if they didn't react to it, they knew that their tolerance for abuse was high and their value went up. Isn't that terrible? But then there was another type of person that would come to the market and they would purchase a slave to set them free. See, that's what Jesus did. See, you and I, we were in that slave market. When we weren't saved, when we didn't have Jesus 
in our heart and, in, and as the center of our life, when we weren't following him, when we didn't receive his love, maybe we didn't know yet, we were in that slave market. And Satan abused us, but Jesus took us out of that abuse. He took us out of that hurt, out of that pain, out of that having to tolerate. And he redeemed us. Man, that's so powerful. Wow. So let's keep reading. How did, how did the servant repay the king for his goodness? Verse 28. But that servant, when he went out and found, then he went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him. Sorry, went down the wrong tube there. <clears throat> but he went out and he found a fellow servant who owed him. Think about that phrase, owed him. You owe me. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard people say that? You owe me. And see, that is the first giveaway of unforgiveness in the heart, <clears throat> is they owe me. They owe me. After what they did to me, they owe me. Wow. So he says he found this person that owed him 100 denarii. It sounds like a whole lot less. And he laid his hands on him and he took him by the throat and he said, pay me what you owe. Interesting though, this guy didn't have enough to pay even that. And he said, so this fellow servant fell down at his feet, begged him, saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. This looks familiar. And he would not, but he went and he threw him into prison till he should pay the whole debt. So I have a question for you this morning. Do people owe you? Are you thinking of somebody right now? You know, if they owe you, you haven't forgiven them. You haven't released them. You're, you're trying to hold them in a debtor's prison. Hmm. Wow. And here's the thing, is we, we try to make people pay for what they did. You know, we ignore them, talk mean about them, give them the silent treatment. Why? Because we're, we're trying to make them pay for what they did. But yet, we're the very person that's holding the key to set them free. We have the key to the prison. And here's what forgiveness does. When you say from your heart, Lord, I forgive them. I release them. When you say release them, man, it's like you're putting a key in their cell, opening that gate and letting them go. Wow. I loved what John Bevere said because he was talking more about offense, but offense is unforgiveness. And he said, making people pay for sin against you is like drinking poison, expecting it to kill them. Remember when he said that? He even had a video on it. I tried to find the video, couldn't find it. So you hold the key. Look at your neighbor, say you hold the key. Now let's look at the let's look at the outcome. In uh, verse 31, it says, so when his fellow servants saw what had been done, he was very great. And he came and he told the master 
everything that was done. And when his master had called him, he said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and he delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due him. Let me tell you, sin is deceptive. Jesus has talked about it many times. But, you know, one of the things he talked about is why, he said, why do you try to fix this, get the speck out of your brother's eye when you have a beam sticking out of your own? You got a big telephone pole <laughs> stuck in your eye and you're trying, to, you're trying to fix this. Now, a lot of what I'm sharing today, um, I, I, I got from a woman by the name of Denise Renner, Rick Renner's wife. And she wrote a book called The Gift of Forgiveness. And I'm telling you, it just, man, it'll eat your lunch. You'll just be on the floor sobbing and, and asking God to forgive you for not forgiving people. And you'll begin to call people out and forgive them <laughs> again, even if you've done it before. You know, I mean, it just messes with you that much. But, but she shared a story in there that I really liked that, talked about, this lady talked about how she had this vision. She was sweeping up in the garage or something, and she sweeped up this massive pile of dirt. And she got the whole thing clean, and so there's this massive pile of dirt. But then she looked over in the corner, and she saw a little tiny itty-bitty piece of paper in the corner. And the Holy Spirit spoke to her heart. He said, you see this pile here? She said, yeah. He said, you see that little piece of paper way over there by itself? She said, yes. And he, she he said, that little piece of paper, that's their sin. This right here, this is yours. Whew. Again, this goes back to appreciating the cost, the price that was paid for you. When I know what I've been forgiven of, when I know what Jesus has paid for me, I appreciate, I appreciate him a whole, whole lot more. Don't you? Man. All right. Well, let's read the final verse on this. Uh, verse 35. This is the last verse in the parable. It says, So my heavenly Father also will do to you if you don't forgive others from your heart. Wow. That's a scary proposition, isn't it? Over in Matthew 6.15, it says, But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I mean, in Galatians 6, verse 7, it says you reap what you sow, right? I mean, it's going to come back to us the way we sow it. Man, so good. I, I think about... Um, when Nicole and I were in Austin, Texas, we worked on staff at a church, and I was the music director, and Nicole, she would work with the choir, and I would work with the band, and so there was this lady that sang in her choir, and the book that I told you about, Denise Rander's book, um, we had handed those out to everybody, and we did a, we did a word study out of the book, and, and all of us read the book, and, you know, and so we asked for feedback after people read the book. And it was interesting because she had grown up her entire life being abused. I mean, her father-in-law, her stepdad abused them. I mean, physically, mentally, sexually 
abused her and her sister, more her sister than her. But neither of them wanted to forgive their father. And so, so she talked about how when she read this book, it convicted her heart. Well, her father was at a point in his life where he was on hospice. He started feeling, um, you know, started feeling bad and was dealing with a disease and, and we, he was progressively getting worse and worse and worse. So now he's on hospice. And she, she decided after reading that book, I'm going to release my dad. I see the importance that I need to go and forgive my dad. And so she went and she asked her father to forgive her and she released her dad. Well, when she did that, she didn't know what that was going to do in him. I mean, it released God to be able to work in his life. He got born again. He gave his life completely over to God. He started trying to get nurses saved. I mean, he was now trying to make what was left of his life count because he realized. And by her forgiving him, she released God to begin to work in their life. And I thought, what a sad proposition would that be if we're the ones preventing God from being able to work in other people by unforgiveness. Whoa. So here's, here's what I want to do this morning. This isn't a, I know it's not a comfortable subject, but I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask the keyboard come and And I'd like the rest of you to stand with me. Mm. It's been a sobering morning, hasn't it? And here's what I want to do. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes all around the auditorium? I'm going to ask you a question. And I just want you to be honest with yourself before God. This is about you and God. This isn't about me um, knowing anything. I'm not looking for things to know. But what I am looking for is for the Holy Spirit to set us free, for Jesus to set us free. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.